Let's pretend that this isn't advice. And I'm Erin, and I'm not giving you advice. It's it's not advice. I can't help myself <laughs> give advice. I don't mean to. I don't want to. I want you to be able to live your life, but I know how to do it. I'm a huge know-it-all, and this is where I practice not giving advice to people. Except I totally give advice to them. I'm a lawyer turned professional certified coach, and I just happen to give the best advice. But this is a podcast, not a coaching session, so I obviously don't do that here, except I do. This is not advice with Erin Conlon, your know-it-all lawyer coach friend. This is not advice. I am so excited for you to listen to today's episode with Scott Duff. Scott is a comedian, actor, radio host, activist. He's based out of Chicago. I love him. Uh, We talk about meeting celebrities, about living into your dream, a little bit about money, a little bit about marriage. And I think that you'll get a ton out of listening to this conversation. Um, Support Scott. He has his cooking series, or you can see him doing comedy at places like Zany's and Laugh Factory and Don't Tell, these very cool secret Chicago comedy shows. Um, And as always, if you would like to work with me, Erin Conlin, executive coach, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me at erinconlin.com. Hey, Scott. Hey, Erin. I'm so happy to have you. I'm, I'm happy to be had. (laughs) <laughs> I love that we're like starting this out like very ASMR. You guys, like, oh, this you is guys, a gentle, are, the gentle caressing. Gentle. <laughs> but it's happening. It's a little tiny hooves. <laughs> Do you listen to those ASMR? No, I can't. I can't. I don't understand it. It's gross. It's like, it's like I can't listen to people chew. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a lot of it is like the crunching and the. There's thing. a lot of S noises, like a lot of. Well, Liquidy S. It's that I do one impression, and it's like <laughs> mac and cheese being stirred in a pot, which is, <laughs> you know, and that's the that's all ASMR is, and I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't want someone like going, okay, so now I'm whispering in your ear. I, yeah, and I hate like, it oof, so oof, much. Oh. I My, just got the chill bumps from that. Back, <laughs> back. <laughs> I won't let my cat lick himself near me. Like, why would I listen to an oh, right. ASMR? <laughs> it's so true. But I mean, hey, I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. People like it. Yep. For me, I can't do the chewing. It's the Mm-mm. chewing. It's the food thing. Have you ever broken up with somebody because of how they chew? No. no. But we do have a friend. <laughs> <laughs> who is the grossest eater on the planet. <laughs> and we actually had to have a conversation with him <laughs> about how disgusting it was. It's really? Like, Look, you're going off to grad school and you are going to meet some fancy people and I'm sure you'll be going out to dinner. You cannot eat the way you eat <laughs> in front of fancy people. It's so, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. I do remember growing up, though, there was this kid named Derek Simmons who would Uh always eat his mashed potatoes. This is great for a podcast because you can't see it. But he would just, like, put (laughs) him in there, and then he would just, like, drag his tongue out and be like, with mashed potatoes. Oh, gross. It was disgusting. God, man, my parents drilled 
all sorts of table manners into me Same. as a child. And I thought that they were just really rigid, anal retentive Horrible people. Yeah. yeah. And now I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you, please. I know. I think we all should could use like an etiquette class. Don't you think? You like know, a big etiquette class for the world. You know, if you, if I were to reimagine elementary and middle school education, it would be focused on like si- being a civil member of society. I like it. Emotion, emotional intelligence, leadership, friendship, like how to be ecologically sustainable. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so you're being like, be nice, be kind. Now let's save the earth. You know? well, <laughs> be nice and be kind and saving the earth are kind of the same thing. Like, they really are. They, it, it's true. But, you know, looking back on on my elementary school, maybe, you know, I had that sort of experience, you know, mm-hmm. of, of like, this is kindness. And this is, I had a great, uh, my principal, when I, I can't believe I remember his name. Well, no, I can't because he was awesome. I was in elementary school and our principal, Dr. Overfelt. Ooh, um, good name. I know, right? Uh, he was he was just really, really great. And he did this thing called roses. And you would he would call you to you'd be called to the principal's office. Oh. Which was like, uh. But you would go into his office and he would have like it like pleasantly lit Mm -hmm. and he had a carpet like a little mat that was filled with roses on there and he would have students he would make sure that he would get every student at least once throughout the year and he brought you in and he sat you down on this carpet and he told you nothing but good things about you Holy crap, that's amazing. It was so great. He's like, your teachers tell me this and, I, you know, and then you'd get a note that he would have all the things that your teachers have said, but he would sit down one-on-one and tell you what a remarkable human being you were. Oh my Isn't God, that why great? don't we do that? We should do that we should, everywhere. I know, we should do that now. I've been thinking about doing that, you know, on social media, just randomly, like, especially like the random world of comedy, mm-hmm. like people that I see, I'm like, oh, like I do tell people like you're really awesome, but I would love to make it just kind of public to be like, hey, not only is this person extremely talented, but you know, they are really, really kind and totally. Please start doing I that. I think I Let's... might do that. I think we should do that. Just random shout outs. Yeah. I do that at the end of every session with my clients. I do an acknowledgement of who they are and what they're up to. And if somebody wants to be acknowledged for something in particular, I will do that as well. Uh, and it's a great way to like end the conversation because it leaves my clients feeling acknowledged for the work that they're doing. Yeah. And also like ready to go take on the world. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, uh, it's this whole, the whole idea of like radical kindness has mm-hmm. been in my head lately and because we just need more of it yes, <laughs> in the world um so yeah so i think i think let's start doing it let's start doing our little our little public roses okay sounds perfect Great. all right I love well it. before before we go down more rabbit holes okay Scott, <laughs> tell people who you are <laughs> who am who i are you? uh well i am scott duff i am an actor comic and radio host and i live here in chicago illinois Tell us, like, how do you spend your days? <sighs> I I don't. Can I take the fifth? I mean, it just seems so, like <laughs> self-incriminating. I mean, I, you know, I'm like, Ugh. uh, you know, it's it's weird. I don't. 
the the pandemic year really kind of screwed me up. You know, we were mm-hmm. we were chatting before you know we hit record. You yeah. know that um, so the summer of like it was August of 2019 where I decided you know what I'm going to take the leap of faith. I just finished a really long run of a play. Uh, mm-hmm. Things in comedy were going good. I you know was like I I've decided like I'm I'm, I'm working towards recording an album, <gasps> and I decided that I'm going to sever like professional ties and so i quit your day job to quit my day job and to be a an artist a working artist hopefully mm-hmm. but that's what it was and then the pandemic hit well actually before the pandemic hit uh in february of 2020 i was i got diagnosed with blood clots i had blood clots in my leg oh my gosh i know i was a little um so i was already housebound in why February. did blood clots keep you housebound? Uh, because they they really hurt. Oh, <laughs> they were they were okay. in my leg. <laughs> they were in my um, my leg. So and my like when I was diagnosed, like when I finally went in, I'm like th- I thought it was tendonitis because mm-hmm. I've been working out and whatever. But I'm like this really really hurts. And I finally went to go get um, an ultrasound because thankfully I had insurance. Thank you for that acting gig mm-hmm. and my union. Um, and then they were like, oh, you've got, yep, you've got clots and multiple of them and they're pretty big. And so my Ooh. leg was a, like, my right leg was two times the size of my left one. Oh, it no. was gross. Like you could, like, you could put your thumb into my calf and it would leave a print like focaccia bread. Oh. It was so gross. It was, <laughs> did you season it? <laughs> I, did, I, I needed it and everything. And I'm like, this just needs a little bit of rosemary and it will be delicious. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I've been, I was laid up and then like, uh, then we couldn't go anywhere. And I'm still kind of shaking those, those habits, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of been, a weird thing because a part of me with the pandemic, I didn't not not like staying home. I know me too. You know what I mean? I so. loved it. I kind of loved it. I never had a re- I never had to come up with an excuse or a reason for why I didn't want to go somewhere. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. Definitely, definitely. And it kind of put things into perspective. So but like my usual day mm-hmm. to answer your question, like I'll I uh, I'm a night owl. I like to stay up late watching stupid okay. things on TV. So I'm like, you know, get up. I, you know, take the, like make coffee, take the dog for a walk. And then I'll like answer emails, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I'll try to find time to move around. Um, so like during the pandemic, I was going on these epic walks. Like I was getting oh, yeah. in like 16, between 16 and 20,000 steps a day. Nice work. Thank you. Even in the winter times. Like I was like, I'm going to do this. Did you take your dog with you? No, no, no. He moves too slow. <laughs> he, he's, he moves too slow. He's very sweet. He's right behind me. Uh, yeah. He's really, really sweet, but he also like, he likes to eat bunny poop and uh-huh. smell things. So I'm like, oh, okay, come on. No, but I would just like pop and pop in my earbuds and hit the road and just get mad listening to the news. <laughs> That's how <laughs> I spent 20, I spent 2020 just furious the entire year. I was just actually, yeah, no, from August of 2019 all the way through 2020. And then into the beginning of 2021, I was just angry. I spent the whole time really, really angry. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were you angry about? Oh, just the state of the world and how we got here. It was a really, really dark 
time. Um, and because I've got this radio show that's on a progressive talk station, WC mm. out Chicago airing Sundays from 11 to 1 on WCPT. Perfect. Keep telling there everyone where to find you. <laughs> yeah, you can find me there every Sunday. Uh, uh, but, you know, because it's a progressive talk station and there was so much going on in the news and the news would change so quickly and aggressively. Mm-hmm. Like I was just. Really? I Well, I was plugged in just to kind of keep up with it. So I was consuming anywhere between like five to seven hours of news every day. Oh my God, that's too much. I know, it's far too much. Far, 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 far too much. Um, I don't, I'm just, this is an aside. My parents were watching a ton of cable news last year and the year before too. And they watched so much that they had a CNN shadow. Was burned on their TV? (laughs) Wow. No, we, I would change it up. And that's the thing. Like I would also bounce between like CNN, MSNBC, and even Fox and just going through all these different things. But I think a lot of, I was just, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I got mad. I was just really, really mad. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how we got, well, I, I do understand how we got here. I was saddened that we are here. Um, mm-hmm. One of the conundrums that I, that I have, you know, is I don't understand how people think that equal rights for others means less rights for them. Like that's, that's the part that's, that I really wrestle with and I still do. It's a real. It's confounding. It, well, it's, yeah, it's a huge scarcity mindset. Yeah, it's this idea of there's not enough rights in the world. I know. I'm like, <laughs> as if they're not like things that we decide. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So yeah, so I've just I, I was really angry, you know, watching mm-hmm. this whole thing. I've been the the former president just was awful and horrible, and you know the things that he was saying and and magnifying and mm-hmm. that people were believing that was the part that I was like, Ugh, I just can't. Yeah. I kept watching it and thinking like two things. One, if we weren't paying so much attention to this Twitter conversation, yeah. like what he was saying on Twitter, then a lot of the reactivity that we were experiencing, the whiplash around the news would have lessened. Oh, definitely. Like, I, I I was really frustrated with the media for playing into his ploy of getting attention. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that goes back to 2015. You know, that's the whole reason. Trust me, I have a beef with George Stephanopoulos for putting him on Good Morning America and giving him legitimacy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a whole other podcast. Let's talk about my my personal beef with George S. But his wife is adorable. <laughs> yes, she's lovely. Actually, I think that he is probably a oh, decent he's a great guy. Yeah. I'm just very mad at him right now. I understand. And have been for six years. Okay. <laughs> have you journaled about that? You you know, know, the- I, I have – one of the t- tools I teach my clients is completion, where you, like, release your energy around something. I should probably practice completion around this. Yes. Yeah. I be- Well, and that's one thing that I've been trying to to do as well – you know, I have, I've unplugged mm-hmm. a bit. Um, there were a lot of like, oh gosh, what was that? Um, that documentary, is it, the, is it the Social Dilemma? Was that the name of the documentary? Mm-hmm. That messed me up. I was like, oh, oh no, I'm playing into the hands of social media. <laughs> like, uh, so it took a big step away from that. Took a huge step away from 
from news and and really started focusing on things that that bring me joy. Like I'm actively seeking out joy. Yeah. Well, you did that cooking series called I, Scott Duff Cook Stuff. I loved it. I, I, well, thank you very much. I think that might be coming back. I might be starting that up again. Um, uh, yeah. So, uh, listeners, I'm going to give you a link for Scott Duff Cook Stuff. It's Scott the, Duff Cooking Stuff. It's going to be in the description. Yeah. So, Scott, oh, Duff, yeah, stuff. Scott Duff Cooking Stuff. It is not suitable for work because I do swear. Um, but it's fun. <laughs> and it's me just basically cooking recipes from Bon Appetit. You know? <laughs> I ain't making the, I'm like, I say up front, I'm like, these are not my recipes. So there we are. I'm just cooking stuff uh-huh, right here. Yeah. Uh, no, I loved doing that. But um, th- yeah, I started those at the beginning of the pandemic. Like when we first went into lockdown, I'm like, all right, there's nothing else to do. Let's cook and make some videos. So we're doing that. Mm-hmm. Then my mom passed away. Uh, mm, like, I'm sorry. Thank, well, thank you. Um she she didn't die from COVID, but it was from dementia. And it was just a really like tricky time. So trying to go back in, like that was the end of March. And so I took some time off and I made some more videos in April. Um, and then as we were moving into nicer weather, I'm like, it's just because it takes a long time to make those things. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to be outside more because we had been inside for so long. So I was outside and then the world broke even more with George Floyd and it just seemed kind of uh, not insensitive, but just like who, who cares? Like frivolous. Yeah. Like who, who cares watching, you know, this gay man cook food? Like we don't need that. And I did not, like, I just didn't want to be like, there were other conversations that needed to be had. Mm -hmm. And then as we were kind of, then as the thing got going, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's a long story. Like, I, hopefully we'll be doing it. But we also, like, where we live, um, we don't have any doors, which, yeah, except for the bathroom. We live, like, in a loft space. Oh, like, humble okay. I was like, how do you get into your house? Well, no, we've got, like, but in, we got a door to the front and doors to, like, to the bathroom and to the, uh-huh. to the like, one closet. But everything else is really open. And my partner, Jerry, he would be, like, if you're on a Zoom call, we're all on a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. You know, so he had did stuff you, to do. Did you mess with him and his Zoom calls? Was, no. Was oh, no, I couldn't do that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Because they were like, he's, you know, he he's an artist as well. And it was like, oh, you're actually getting paid work to mm-hmm. create things. You need to focus and work on and do that, baby. Because <laughs> right now. I totally support AM you radio, making money. Right. AM radio ain't paying the bills right now. So. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, but I'm hopefully I'll be getting back into to that thing because it took a like they did have joy when I was doing them, and then they kind of went away. Mm-hmm. But now I'm kind of finding it like oh, since the Delta variant is coming back in, and it's hard to get out to mics that don't feel like they're cootie lady petri dishes. Yeah, especially after Lollapalooza this weekend. Oh. So Ugh. how long are you going to bench yourself while all of the 20-somethings who went to Lala go spit all over microphones? I don't know. That's the tricky thing because I do have some shows coming up and I've been working on new stuff and I just want to get up and say it. Like, I'm trying to figure out exactly how useful mics are, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, because you've been there, you know, when you mm-hmm. go to – because basically it's – if you are familiar with an open mic out there in podcast land, you know, it's you just go into a room with like 20 to 30 other smelly male comedians usually 
and you have three to four minutes to try your stuff. And most of the people don't give you the feedback. They're like the either their heads are in the their books and they're writing out what they're going to say. They're trying to focus on their stuff or they're just jaded comics who don't want to laugh. So I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out exactly how useful they are when it comes to writing new things. Well, are and, they useful for writing or are they useful for practicing? Cause I think oh, it depends on yeah. how you relate to it. Like for practice sake, they're great. But if for writing sake, they're fine. Well, I think for writing stuff, I just want to see if like these jokes land, you know, like I think they're funny. Mm-hmm. But I want to know if like other people think they're funny. So, <laughs> you know what Maya May does? She practices in her closet. Yes. I don't want to go in the closet. I mean, I get why. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to gay do my show. Practices in closet. I know. I, I host a big gay radio show, and during the the initial lockdown period at the beginning, I was doing my big gay show from <laughs> the closet for two months. And it was did like, you tell everyone? I did. I'm like, the iron is not lost on me that I am here. <laughs> but it's like, uh mm-hmm. uh wasn't cute. But maybe yeah. I should do that. Maybe she could just go and practice. But there's something about, I don't know. I like I didn't do any Zoom shows or anything like that because I like the, yeah. the feedback. You know, yeah. that's what I think we like live performance and that that sort of conversation or one-sided conversation because I'm talking at you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conversation yeah. in the, insofar as in, is it's an exchange of energy, but it's not actually a conversation yeah. because I have the mic and, and you, you don't. don't. So be quiet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I mean, so, yeah, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to bench myself or just kind of figure out. What which ones to go to, where mm-hmm. I can get in and get out, you know. I mean, I heard that Coles is doing. First of all, Coles is a legendary open mic in Chicago where people get found from. Yeah. Um, also, it's a nightmare. <laughs> I've never been, but I did see that they are starting to do a list. Oh, okay. And that there was a bunch of straight white guys, and they're prioritizing non-straight white guys. Oh, well, good to know. Yeah, part of and part of you it may too want is to like, reach out to the people who run that. I will. I will. I will. Well, I, you know, I planned to go too, but it's also here's the thing too. Again, with like COVID times, I like being home, and that doesn't start until start until nine. You mm-hmm. know, maybe so. Usually, probably don't start till nine thirty, and it's. You know, it's in Logan Square, which is kind of kind of a hike for me, but not really, but enough. And I'm like, it's a relative hike. It's a relative hike, but it's one of those things where I don't. I w- I think I've got better things to do than to hang out in a bar, you know, mm-hmm. with a bunch of people to say jokes for mm-hmm. four minutes and get home like at twelve thirty or one. You well, know? I think that was my biggest reason for quitting stand-up is that I just didn't – I wanted to work out and go home and eat a meal and watch Grey's Anatomy and go to bed. Like, I did not want to go to bars anymore. Yeah. I was like, this is exhausting. Yeah. It is a little exhausting. But at the same time, I love it. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. unfortunately, like, I'm, I am getting booked, you know, in clubs and stuff like that. So it's this feels a little bit more – legitimate yeah and not to and not to bash on like coals or anything like that but it's just my own you know my I'm own not. oh you know like, oh no i'm bashing on coals 
<laughs> I'm the one that I'm the one that is telling you why I don't like it. Yeah. Well, oh, Scott, what's your like one year goal? What do you want to what do you want your life to look like next year? Girl, I circumstances be damned. I really have no idea. Like I am it's so it's so fortuitous that you, you know, reached out and be like, hey, do you want to do this podcast? Because I'm like, I um I am actively engaged in a midlife crisis of epic proportions Ooh. right now <laughs> you know juicy let's talk I do. yeah well yeah go for it if it, please so i'm just kind of like i i've always been kind of this it's so strange i'm such a capricorn in some ways where it's like i am like mm-hmm. i'm determined and i am planned and you need to have this and xyz and this is how you do it like get me in the kitchen don't be around me in the kitchen because I know how to do things. I know how to do them right and know how you're doing them wrong. <laughs> and so just leave me alone. Get out. The door is out. <laughs> oh, wait, no, there is no door. You know, so, but they go over there. The island is over the there. Island is you, over this there. is your space. Yes. <laughs> um, but like when it comes to ideally what I would, my goals are, I would love just to, I would love to be performing. I would love, love, love to be performing. I would love to, to, uh, be regularly booked, um, you know, here in Chicago, and hopefully that will lead to other connections mm-hmm. elsewhere. Do you want a tour? Uh, I wouldn't mind doing some dates out, mm-hmm. but I don't want to hit the road on a tour. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are some people who are doing it. Like there's Rena Calm, who oh my god, she's she's amazing everywhere. She's amazing. She's a beast. She is you know outfitted. She's converted her Prius into this little tiny mini RV because she sleeps in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and she goes all over the country, and it's incredible. Her drive and her talent and her business savvy is like truly enviable. Um, I don't. I'm too old. For that, you know, just being on it, you know, it's like, I'm just, I'm too old. I, I, yeah, I need a bed. I, I don't want to go perform, like drive five hours to go perform in a bar for 50 bucks, you know? Yep. Like, mm, no. So t- tell me about this midlife crisis. Like, what is happening for you? Oh, what isn't happening? Like, it just feels like, you know, I'm about to turn 50. What? You don't even look 40. What? Yeah. Thank you. Good answer. Good answer. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm about to turn 50. And it's one of those things where like, I just don't, I'm trying to reckon what I want to be when I grow up, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like what we're saying in terms of like the comedy world, like do you, the grind, do you want to do that? Do you want to go out and try to hit a mic every night and then get dates and blah, 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 or you know, what do you want to do? Um, I'm also kind of freaked out about money, but I'm mm-hmm. always freaked out about money because I grew up without having a lot and was, you know, single mom and watching her struggle. Um, you know, just it's one of those like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be 50 and I haven't saved anything, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, it's those sorts of things. And then trying to find like, okay, well, if I did get a day job, what would it be? Because I've tried those. And I, how'd it go? Um, you know, uh, when I was in Memphis, I was a teacher and I really, really liked that. The students were great. The parents were nightmares. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that's pretty much par for the course, uh, with most, yeah, most teachers. Pretty normal. Yeah. With yeah. most teachers. So I enjoyed that, but you know, I'm, 
I was also in Memphis at the time and I'm like, I want to get out of here. I just, I, mm-hmm. it's just too conservative of a place where I was well, teaching. Yeah. 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 You know, like, I think we've talked about this, you know, my first day of teaching, um, I had kids pulled from my class because I was gay. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. 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 And at the end of the first day, the going back to principals, the principal called me to his office and put me on the don't ask, don't tell policy. Shut up. Yeah. It was really hard. What year was this? It was 2007. No way. Yeah. 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 It was, it was really, really intense, you know? Um, Mm. And the whole, like the theme, it was a private school and the theme of it was about, you know, sharing your story and experiencing the journey. And I looked at him, I'm like, so the whole purpose of this, one of the mission statements of this school is to create lasting relationships between younger, younger people and adults uh, and to teach those skills and the importance of communication and truth and, you know, those connections between generations. So when I have a kid come out to me, not if, but when I, as a healthy adult person who is very comfortable with who they are, very proud of who they are. I mm-hmm. can't say anything to them. You know, that that was like the biggest thing. I, I walked around on eggshells for the first month of when I was teaching. Um, and then I finally went to the guidance counselor, like the, the guidance counselor. Uh-huh. And I was like, can we talk? And I said that to her. And she's like, here's the deal. Um, I always do what's best for the student and then ask forgiveness later. So, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then from that point on, like it was a, it was a month of walking on eggshells. And then after that, I'm like, okay, we got this. So like I was the theater teacher oh, living the stereotype. Hello. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's better than gym. No. Oh my God. The gym <laughs> teachers. Are you kidding me? They didn't have a dress code. They could like, they were on their computer <laughs> playing bejeweled blitz or whatever the whole time. They didn't do crap. Uh, I would love to be a gym teacher. Are you kidding me? They just stand there. They don't do anything. <laughs> I'm sorry, gym teachers out there, but it's true. You know, you got some good, you got a good gig. Uh, but when I was the theater teacher, I would like every single person that I hired to come like help build the set and hang and do the lights and costumes, and everything. Every single person I hired was gay. <laughs> I just didn't tell just them. Like- immersion therapy for the students Mm -hmm. like hey here's this awesome lesbian she's gonna do the lights and here's this like 70 year old gay man who's (laughs) this guy carrie i loved him he he had had a stroke earlier in his life so he had limited motion on his right hand right side Uh of his body but he built all the sets so like power yeah he was great and such a curmudgeon and so i'd have him come in like come on in (laughs) the kids were kind of scared of him and like oh he just like here's the thing he has something happened so he can't really tell his tone so if Mm. he's yelling at you he's not really yelling at you just know that like oh okay okay okay, (laughs) so yeah so i guess real jobs you know like they they they're good. I can do it for like a, a brief amount of time, but like there's a part of me that like I miss the performing aspect. The whole reason mm-hmm. is I was in Memphis with my partner and we I was like, look, um, like his his he experienced a lot of some death in his family. Like his mother and his brother, his mom and brother died within a year of each other. And the two oh, of them and it was horrible. It was awful. Um, and they were his touchstones. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, death has always been a great motivator. 
you know, like, oh, this person died. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Why do something that mm-hmm. you're not happy? Mm-hmm. So let's go and try to do something that we're happy. So part of my midlife crisis is trying to reconcile the fact that right now I'm doing stuff that makes me happy. Like it mm-hmm. really makes me happy. It's just not uh, the financial aspects, yeah. you know, quite yet. Yeah. So, and then I'm also like, and time is ticking as one is approaching 50. I mean, based upon current life expectancies, you've got another 40 years oh, or 30 years or something. Totes. Totally, totally. No, I'm not worried about that, but I am worried about in terms of, you know, oh, if I'm already, if nine o'clock is already too late for me to go, you know, mm-hmm. go do a show, you know, then like what's going to happen in like five to 10 years or whatever. But, you know, again, I'm just, I am happy. I am. Mm-hmm choosing things that I want to do and being okay. Like I'm making it, you know, but it, I could be more comfortable if that's a, yeah. you know what I mean? So, well, what's your relationship with money? Oh, it's, it's always been horrible just because I watched my mom struggle with it, you know, struggle with her relationship with money. So and I've been in well, therapy what do you mean? about it. Like it's horrible. Oh, I like, like I get very panicky about it. Mm. You know, like I'm trying to figure out what is enough. Like that's something mm-hmm. that, like how much is enough money? You know, and I kind of for you know for my own peace of mind. Do you have a number? Um, no. I'm just I'm always happy if there's a comma in in a bank account. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the big thing. So, yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, how people relate to money is often how they relate to themselves. So, if you're trying to figure out what's enough financially, it's probably also trying you trying to figure out what's enough for you. Oh. Like, when are you enough? Deep. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why they pay me the big bucks. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if that's, I see how that could, that is totally true. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think I've kind of, that's one thing that, you know, in my wizened age. that In your very youthful, not yet 50. Yeah, you know, but you know what I mean? Like, as you get older, you kind of realize things that are like, what is enough? And I, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm. I'm doing great. You know, I've, I've got a radio show. Let me mention that again, out Chicago on WCPT every Sunday from 11 to one, um, that I, I'm really proud of. And I get to do, uh, I get to say jokes to people and make them laugh and I get some money from that. That's great. And I'm working on different projects that are, you know, that are fulfilling. So I, I'm, I feel like, Oh, I'm doing okay. And the, the hard part that I think any artist struggles with, um, uh, and of course every human does, but I think artists in particular is like that comparison game, mm-hmm. you know, when you're like, mm-hmm. well, wait, if they're doing this, should I be doing that? And I'm kind of like, you know what, everything in its own time, you are working. You, and it's like, if I ever I am dissatisfied, it's like, well, what can you be doing 
to make that change. You know, right. like if you're like, ah, why am I not getting booked or why am I don't need that, blah, 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 whatever it is, you know, your problems like, okay, well, don't complain about it. Like you can't complain about it because, you know, we all have to bitch and moan because it feels good, but right. it's not going to change anything. So what can you do to change it? Like that's been a big, that's been a huge lesson that I've learned through the radio show during the last administration because it just became, mm. you know, just like a bitch fest for, you know, for uh-huh. at least three years during there. And I'm like, and at some point in there, I'm like, I just, I feel gross. We're just contributing negativity to the world. We're, we're stirring the pot that doesn't need to be stirred anymore. So what are, what can we do to change things? How, how can we change? Well, we can register to vote. We can have uncomfortable conversations with friends and family members, you know, to be like, Hey, go get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated yet, just go get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. We'll do that one more time. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Yeah. You're not going to become magnetized. You're not going to be sterilized. You're not going to, I mean, I wish I could do Microsoft now. Like have all that information in my head. (laughs) Computers won't just go right on and you won't reboot. Get vaccinated. Yeah. So I think that's, that's been one of the biggest lessons that I've learned over this past year, which I'm trying to apply now. It's just like, okay, Mm -hmm. if you're not happy, you can change that, you know? Um, So uh, I'm just like when it with my relationship to money, I'm more worried about like to when I'm older. Yeah, you know, that's the big thing. It's like when I'm when I'm older, like will I be eating cat food or not? Mm-hmm. You know, and well, well, that's like a good reason to get married. Yes, it's a great reason to get married. Yes, that's pretty much my. I don't have a partner. I'm not dating anybody right now. But if I were, and they were like. I don't need to get married. I'd be like, but maybe Yeah, <laughs> I could benefit from your social security benefits or you could benefit from, from mine. mine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sad that right now that that's kind of like, it's more of a business transaction, you know, than. Well, it is and it. It is, it is and it isn't. isn't. I mean, no, no, I get you. Like we've been together by my partner and I, we've been together for 17 years. We're not married yet. Um, I think, you know, We've we've been together. We've like we've gone to like couples therapy just to like chat through things and figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. You know, we've kind of you know some things have come up for him in terms of like this is why I don't like marriage and this is you know where I'm a little suspect of it. And you know, it's kind of cool. We're basically, I mean, common law. Do they have that? There's in no Illinois? such thing as common law and marriage in Illinois. Oh, well. If we were to- as the resident know-it-all lawyer, thank you, resident <laughs> know-it-all lawyer. I really appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. Like, hopefully, we will. I mean, there's something I like it just because it's that as if we weren't already committed. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's just something official, and then there's that whole notion of you know the celebration with uh, yes. like with your family and friends, and well, and like. As I as I've watched all everyone else get married, mm-hmm. one of the things that I feel left out of is like the day for me. Yeah. You know, and then the day for us. Like, why not give yourself that acknowledgement of the 20 years or 17 years that you've put into each other? I totally agree. 
Does he does he know you want to get married? Uh yeah. Yeah. He does. Yeah. You know, but then we we those are some of the challenging conversations. You know, we can tend to mm-hmm. skirt around and then it goes away. But it's not so but it also isn't something that's right on like the forefront of my mind. Right. You know, it's, it's not, not like a- I wake up like, God, I wish I was married today. You're like, no, then it's like, <laughs> oh, the sun is shining. It's beautiful. I should be married. Like that's, it's not a part of me. Mm-hmm. We don't really talk about it because it's, we're also kind of like, oh, things are good. We're just going to mm. do that. Is it a deal breaker for you? No. No. Mm-mm. No. It's just something that you would really, really like. Yeah, that I think I would like. And also, you know, as we, you know, like I said, as we get older, it would also help things out legally should there be any problems that come up or should there be any health issues or whatever. You know, legally, it's Mm -hmm. just easier that way. Well, I mean, most of those things. Okay, I'm putting my know-it-all hat on. The whole premise of this show, Scott, is that I'm not a know-it-all, but I'm going to do it it anyway. You know everything. This is advice. (laughs) This is totally advice. (laughs) So for like non-married people, a lot of these things you can contract, make put in a contract or a will or a trust. So, you know, if he wants to leave his estate to you, if you want to leave your estate to him, that can oh, all be Oh, well, we already out. have that. We've already got And same thing with like power of attorney and power of health attorney. And if you have a joint bank account, you get the rights of survivorship. How that means like if one of you dies, right. the other person, you don't have to transfer the bank account. It just goes is to you. yours. Yeah. Yeah. The things where it matters are taxes and social security. And, you know, I think a lot of us bank on social security as a retirement. It's probably stupid for us to do this, but we are hoping that social security will like keep us alive in retirement or when we're too old and feeble to work based upon this current economy. And that like, in my mind, this is my righteous mind. If you're not willing to play along in the game in that way right. to make sure that we're both taken care of because of a principle, I'd be mad. <laughs> wow. Well, there we go. Maybe I'll bring that uh, argument up to him. I mean, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron told me. <laughs> this was so. If, you, if I, things are good, don't do okay. that. <laughs> well, yeah. But I'll keep that in my back, in my back pocket, as it were. I mean, it really, like, it's the government recognizing your arrangement as is and giving you the benefits of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and BC, and then, but in terms of, in terms of that, I, and I totally see that as like the business transaction part thing. For mm-hmm. me, I think the more importance about getting married really is the spiritual aspect of it. Oh. You know, okay. that whole thing. Um, I, I do have a religious background um i consider myself an episcopalian uh my sister is an episcopal priest um (gasps) yeah she's awesome she was this close she was just she was one of the final three candidates for bishop of iowa no way and they were all three women so go iowa um i mean iowa's surprisingly progressive in terms of their policies and then they're not well not necessarily. Yeah. Then there's, there's the governor, but, um, right. but anyway, but like there's, for me, there is something about having this union blessed that is mm. important to me, you know, just yeah. to be legitimate in the eyes of the church is what, important. Like what is the importance? What would it give you? 
uh, smug self-satisfaction is basically, you know, you know, it's one of those things. Well, it is. It's one of those like I, it would validate me, you know, validate our mm-hmm. relationship. You know, we're so often, you know, uh, uh, Christians are labeled as homophobic and all these things. And I know that in my experience, that has not been the case. So yeah. there's something about that that just feels like, no, it's official. Like, Well, yeah. and I hear in that, like, you get to be the change. Yeah. Rather than watch the change happen, you get to actually be it. Yeah. In yeah, the yeah, way yeah. that you want. And that's kind of like, that's kind of what my whole career has been like. You know, I I've, have never been in the closet. You know, I started acting. I, I started a theater company here in Chicago called About Face Theater uh, back mm-hmm. in 95. Oh my God, 95. Um, and the whole thing was to explore the lives, histories, and experiences of the LGBTQ community. And it's still around. And so I've, I've always used my art as activism. Yeah. You know, even like when I, you know, doing stand up, I, you know, still, it's jokes, but then I try to make sure that like I work in, I mentioned gay sex in there because there's still a lot of people who are like, go gay rights, but don't let me see it. You know, it's like, nope, nope, nope. We're going to talk about it, you know, or let's talk about misogyny and in within the gay community and like what women have to deal with on a daily basis. Let's talk about that. You know, I, mm-hmm. so I'm still like trying to, have these moments where I'm having, having an agenda, but it's wrapped up in a package that is easily digestible. That's kind of been my agenda. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of been my whole MO for like my entire career. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't do shows that I don't want to do. I do shows that are like, hopefully will have some sort of purpose uh, if I'm acting and if I'm doing my own stuff, I definitely like, here's, I have an agenda and you're going to listen to it, you know? Yeah. So let's say you built the rest of your career based upon your agenda. Uh huh. What What would you do? It's basically what I'm doing. I'm mean, for if we're being really honest, you know, mm-hmm. I am. Uh, you know, I, I always show, I I used to introduce myself as a professional gay, and that is kind of what I'm doing. You know, I'm out there every week. I talk about queer issues or current events through a queer lens, you know, on, mm-hmm. on the radio or when I'm on doing stand up. you know, I, the one thing that I would change is that I would get booked on one of these freaking television shows that are being filmed here, you know, but I also yeah. understand that I am a middle-aged cis white dude. And there are other voices that need to be heard right now. And I get that. Well, yeah. You know, it's it's doesn't make it any less frustrating, but I totally get like why the offers aren't coming in, you know, because there are other voices, other stories that need to be told. And mm-hmm. I'm so down with that. So th- if that's the the only thing that I would change because right now is is yeah, is that after after people have their you know are being booked and getting their stories told if there if there is room to allow me in i would love to be allowed in well i think that there's always room at the table oh and i definitely but i, I guess what I i'm think, talking about person oh i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off but the, just in terms of like when it comes to like these shows like there's a great show you know work in progress 
that's on mm-hmm. Showtime. It was created by Abby McEnany, a oh, yeah. you know, lesbian here. Is it filmed here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is a second city person. She uh, created it. She writes it. She stars in it. It's shot in my neighborhood. Uh, and it uses primarily like uh, uh, it's a queer cast and a lot of trans and non-binary performers uh, mm-hmm. are in there. And like, and that's the story that needs to be told right now. And I, so when it comes to the cis white male, those, mm-hmm. li- those roles aren't vi- being written right now. Yeah. And for that, like that I'm, I'm grateful for. So, I, but I always know there's room at the table for discussion. I, mm-hmm. and if not, I will elbow my way in <laughs> to that. Well, yeah. And I, like, I guess the thing that I was going to say is that, you know, we live in a world that can very easily segment people mm-hmm. and put, you know, you don't fall into this bucket. You're not X, Y, and Z enough. And at the same time, you know, you have a mission to change the world basically. Yeah. So you're still going to have to do that, whether or not there's a seat at this one table for you or not. Yeah. And, and I, and again, I feel like I, I I've been doing that and I'm really proud of yeah. it. I'm, no, I'm not saying you're not oh, yeah, I'm no, saying no, no, like no, no. in the future. Yeah. No, but I'm but I'm saying the like but I yes, I totally agree with you and I think that's what everybody mm-hmm. needs to to do. I remember a couple couple of years ago we used to do a segment uh on the show um uh, what was it called? It's been so long. Out, I don't know. Oh, it's something with out everything had an out. Well, it because it's in. a show about gay people. I know, but it was like out and about. What was it called? I can't remember. But we worked with, there was a, a, a husband duo. One was a doctor. One uh, was a, a life coach and nutritionist. Mm-hmm. You know, and we were talking about like New Year's resolutions and all that stuff. And I'm like, you know what? Instead of doing resolutions, I'm going to make a mission statement. I mm. want to make a mission statement about how, you know, companies have those, organizations have them. I want one for myself just so I know like, what is important to me? What is, um, what are, what are the values that I want to project, want to live by and interact with? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like what I, what is it? What's your mission? No, statement? Uh, well, it's still, it's an ever evolving sort of statement, but I am here to make social change through comedy through conversation and through kindness going back to going back to the whole notion of radical kindness i just think that that is something that is so necessary just mm-hmm. in life and i'm not talking about being nice i'm talking there's a difference between nice and kind you know you sometimes you have to say hard things to people in service of kindness yes indeed like telling somebody hey your chewing is gross your chewing is so gross it is so gross it seems nitpicky in the moment like it feels very critical to be on the receiving end of information like that and at the same time when it's done in service of you being seen as loving and like graceful so that you succeed it's a totally different thing than i need to break up with this person because they chew grossly yes yes yeah so i mean and that's that's the kind of that's the thing i'm just like it's it's just don't don't be a dick. Can I say that? 
Yeah, and this is not a, this is a podcast. Oh, that's right. all okay. the well, hell damn fart. Fuck. Bullshit. There we are. Ah. <laughs> Sorry, the FCC keeps me my a tight rein on me. But yeah, so I mean that's that's my big thing. It's like show people respect. This whole idea, one thing that drives me kooky pants, this whole idea of like PC culture and everyone's like, oh like like motherfuckers like i am gen x we invented political correctness you know it's like (laughs) that's all that was like we were raised on it type of thing and Mm -hmm. i think i hate i don't like that term i love the idea i don't like the term because it sounds because it's got the word political so it sounds like there's an agenda and for me the only agenda behind that is being kind and respectful you know Mm -hmm. People want to be referred to by their appropriate pronouns. People mm-hmm. want to be, you know, want you to appreciate a culture, but not appropriate from the culture and claim it as your own people. You know, there's something about it's, it's, if we change that whole thing from PC to kindness and respect, I think it would be a whole new game, you know? Well, yeah. And then co- the idea of correctness gives something to push people People push up against yeah. that. They're like, well, I'm a rebel. I don't have to be correct. I mean, what Andrew Dice Clay had a whole career based upon pushing up against political correctness. Right. Yeah. And he wasn't that funny. I mean, he wasn't not funny, but he wasn't that funny. No, but he's a really good actor these days. Is he? Yeah, he's great. I know, mm-hmm. shocker. But he's really it, good. it doesn't surprise me. I think a lot of that stand-up was an act. Oh, totally. Oh, it was definitely a persona. Same thing with um, Bobcat Goldthwaite. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, I just ran into him recently at Laugh yeah. Factory. Um, Did you say, hey, make a movie about me? No, no. It was awful. Here's the thing. I, <laughs> I do not – I am not – that much of a star fucker or if i am it's very weird very specific people <laughs> like it's very odd wait who are your weird specific oh my god like i um so i got to go to the of uh, the the like opening uh hbo thing for mm-hmm. the the movie of the immortal life of henrietta Lacks. Okay. Um, that Oprah was in. I, I'm mm-hmm. my friend actually wrote the book, and she's like, "Hey, will you come with me?" No way. Yeah, she wrote the book, and she had a little tiny part in it. And Rose Byrne played her in the movie, blah blah blah. And she's like, "Hey, I've got an extra ticket to the opening of New York. Will you come?" And I'm like, oh, "Are you kidding me?" Yes. Like, how often do you get to go to like a red carpet event for a movie with Oprah? With Oprah, based on a book that your friend wrote. You know, it's like, ah, let's do yeah, it. You, so like. I was I was bound and determined to smell Oprah. I just wanted to smell her because I know she smells really good. You know, I mm-hmm. love Oprah. She's great. Um, but I have like a weird run in with like Joy Reid from MSNBC. <laughs> like I got <laughs> so excited to see her and was like, blah, 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 blah. and then then also I had too much to drink and at the end of the night I had a whole moment with Regina King where she was like, <laughs> go away, <laughs> like what are you doing, strange man? And I'm like, I love you. Two two seven was great. It was like ah, oh. but that's the same thing that happened with Bobcat Goldthwait of all people. I ran into him at the Laugh Factory. I was like. I was swinging by just to support the room and I was looking at the lineup and I went, Dun. and I saw his name listed. And I'm like, and I looked over at Kristen Toomey. I'm like, do you, do you see this? It's Bobcat Goldthwait. And most people are like, hey, who? Do you, do you, except for comedians. Except for comedians. Who know who- well, some, not all of them. Cause whoever the host was like, how do you pronounce your name? Who are you? I'm like, who was host? 
That's another tea. story. <laughs> That's some tea. That's some tea. We'll have we'll have over tea at some point. But so I went up. I was up in the balcony, and I was like on my way to the to the restroom, and I passed by, and I'm like, oh my god, that's oh god, that's Bob. That's him, Bobcat Goldthwait. For people listening out there, if you like, if you don't know who he is, he was a huge stand up comic in the '80s. Like he huge. He was actually my very first stand up show that I ever went no to. Way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he was in like the Police Academy movies, and he did a bunch of dumb movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also like now he directs. Like he used to direct a. a he does a lot of stand up. A lot of stand up specials. Everyone's specials look great. And he also did um, Jimmy Kimmel. Like he directed Jimmy Kimmel's show. Oh, I didn't know for that. like three years. So like he's he's great. And for any if you saw him in the eighties, he was had that weird, you know, persona that he put on. It was mm-hmm. a little strange, but I loved it because I'm like, who is this delicious weirdo? You know, when I was <laughs> a teenager, and it was like, this is amazing. I've never seen anything like this. So this is all going through my head as I pass by him. I'm like, that's him. And I go like into the restroom and I, I don't even go. I just stand there and look in the mirror like, oh my God, that was him. 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 <laughs> and I just go and I wash my hands. And as I'm walking by, Curtis, the booker at Laugh Factory was like, hey, uh, Scott, this is and like, I know who you are and I just want to say that, that you are the best and I think you're great. You are the first stand-up show I saw and I want to say thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for all that you... <laughs> Just thank you. And he looked at me like, what is this madman doing? And I'm like, I'm going to go away now. Uh, and he was with David Pesquese, who, uh, oh, really? yes, who is a huge Chicago improviser. People know him as, you know, Selena Miles' uh, husband on Veep. Like he played Julie Louis mm-hmm. Dreyfus's husband on Veep, and he was there. And I'm like, I've seen him around before, and I I felt bad that I didn't like goof all over him, but I was just like, huh, it's you, Bob. Cat. He's, a sh- he's yeah, he's a Chicago staple. Like whatever. I know, but he still was, but it's great. And then like after the end of the show, and I watched his set, and it was like, <laughs> then I had to pass him again, and I'm like, I'm gonna make up for that lousy interaction that just happened. <laughs> and I should have quit while I was ahead. <laughs> Cause it was again, it was like, that was great. Your best fun times. Good. I'm going to go. It was so bad. Like that's the thing, but I'm fine around other people. It's just the random celebrities, like random, random, random celebrities. And I'm just like, yeah, the girl. It's so stupid. <laughs> So stupid. There's something about like admiring somebody that turns you, like you or anybody, into total weirdos. Yeah, I admire you, so I, I can't be around I, you. This is, oh. but it's weird. Like I sat next to Amy Schumer, you know, and was perfectly fine. Like, hey, girl, how you doing? Okay, good, great, 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 great. But Bobcat Goldthwait just sent me into a total blither. I was, I was a <laughs> blithering idiot. Well, you probably like reverted back to 25 or whatever when you younger. I was like 16 when I saw him, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's oh so God. embarrassing. It's bad. <laughs> okay. Well, we're coming up on time. Okay. I could talk to you for like 10 hours, okay. but I think people want to get on with their lives. Yeah, go get on with um, their lives. Before we do that, mm-hmm. let's talk about success. Okay. What will success look like for you? 
in 10 years. Not to say you're not successful now. No. But like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you mean what will it. Just whatever, whatever in 10 years. Yeah. Like how, how will you know that you're successful? I, I well, gosh, I don't know. I already think that I am kind of successful. You know, it's, I just think it's like, I think the measure of success is that you are doing what you love to do mm-hmm. and that you are able to be happy. I mean, mm-hmm. truly happy, you know, with whatever it is you're doing, you know, like who knows, maybe I'll go be, you know, like a tour guide in a national park or something, you know, but like, but you know, but whatever it is that you are, one of the lessons that came out of the pandemic for me is like, really, what is important to you? What is mm-hmm. important? And for me, it's having connections with, with friends and family, you know, and really figuring out who those friends and family are. Yep. The people that you want to keep close. The people that you want to keep close, the people that are in your circle, but also, you know, just like, and treating this is so like it's so cheesy. I can't believe I'm gonna say this, but you know, like today, cheese away. I'm gonna man. cheese. I'm a, I'm a life coach. There we are. <laughs> but that whole that whole you know, that whole expression about you know today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. You know, mm-hmm. it's like there's something kind of great about that, and I know that I will be successful when at least like two or three nights a week uh, I am able to have a dinner party at my house. Um, and it looks kind of like an editorial spread from Gourmet Magazine. Like that's that's all that I want. That I love that, that vision is, of success. That's beautiful. That is what I want. And I've been trying to do that. So it's like, you know, pull out a tablecloth that like, oh, my the mm-hmm. Jerry's grandmother made this. So and it's got flamingos on it. Let's do that. And it's Tuesday. You know, let's use like fancy dishes or what like just something why keep stuff from for a special occasion every day is a special occasion so i think that is that's i've always been striving for my life to look like that like that is the very specific image i want my life to look like a gourmet magazine editorial spread dinner party yeah you know can i come absolutely can you- absolutely thank you <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah next next month it'll be on a lake house <laughs> okay, I'm definitely. Always, I'll be there. <laughs> I miss Gourmet Magazine so much. I, I don't have. I never got Gourmet. I did get a, a subscription to Bon Appetit once. Mm-hmm. My parents got it for me for a couple of years. I tried to make these mint black and white cookies. Oh, do you remember? It was the cover like for Christmas, two Decembers mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted you to use real mint, so I did. I used real mint. That's what made the cookies green, but they just tasted like herbs. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Herby so, cookies. Like, like who this needs is not that? good. You, did you skip a step? <laughs> no, I did it exactly <laughs> no. perfectly. No. Oh. <laughs> and they were herby cookies. Well, yeah. I don't see I'm not a sweets person. But like I just thought that they looked cool. They, they, they did look cool. They, did they look looked cool. very cool. Yeah. Or a couple of years ago when they had the mirrored tie-dye swirl on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. But gourmet was my favorite because Ruth Reichel was the editor in chief and she, uh, she's also an author. I love, mm. I love reading her stuff. It's great. Okay. Um, but there's something about it is, it was like a lifestyle and these, these editorial mm. spreads 
were always fabulous. We'd be like, okay, here are my beautiful multi-culty friends and we are hanging out in uh, a city apartment and we're enjoying smart cocktails and fabulous conversation and this delicious food that I have lovingly prepared. You know, there is something that is, that to me, that's success. That is, that is personal and that is personal success. I love it. Thank you so much for being a guest. I cannot wait to come to one of your dinner parties. Done and done. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, Scott. Same to you. Oh, wait. One more thing. Promote everything that you have right now. Oh, when is this dropping? Uh, Thursday, I think. Oh, holy holy (laughs) crap. Okay, well then Friday the 6th, I'm doing Don't Tell Comedy uh, in Logan (gasps) Square. How are those? I love them. Have you ever gone? I haven't. I keep forgetting to go. Like I keep forgetting to yeah, find out where they they're are. They're cool because it's a whole comedy show where people don't like you know a no. neighborhood, but then you go mm-hmm. see comedy in like a very cool and unique location. Like it could okay. be like I've done one in a furniture store, you know, with like just gorgeous pieces of furniture around you. They're all they're fun. So anyway, I'm doing mm-hmm. that on the sixth. Uh, I'll be at uh, Zany's on the – oh, God, I'm not prepared. Wait, no, I just did a thing. I'm coming. <laughs> I'll stand by. I'll look for the you thing. You can also find Scott on Instagram at Scott Duff. And it's Scott Danger Duff because Danger is my middle Scott name. Danger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there we are. Uh, yeah, so I've got – you know, I've got dates up. I'm going to be at Laugh Factory and Zany's, and um, I'm just – yeah. And your radio show is on Sundays My, from 11 to 1? 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WCPT AM 820. Or if you're listening to this from somewhere around the world, you can stream it live at WCPT820.com. Or you can find us on Facebook at Out Chicago Radio. Or you could follow us on WCPT820, Chicago's Progressive Talk, at WCPT820 on all social media. Oh, my God. I love you so much, Scott. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. For doing this was this. so much fun. <laughs> This is Not Advice is brought to you by me, Erin Conlin. If you are interested in learning more about my coaching practice or how we might be able to work together, please visit erinconlin.com. This podcast would not have happened without production support from Cedar Cathedral Narrative Studio.